Welcome back to Picked Voices, the interview series conducted by faculty of the Paris Institute for Critical Thinking with notable members of the broader Picked community. Our goal is still to present our community with a variety of voices across the spectrum of the humanities and critical creative thinking. My name is Christophe van Houten and today I am joined by Carl van den Broek, editor-in-chief of the Flemish independent news website that focuses on investigative journalism, Apache. Hello, Carl, and welcome. Hello. As the short introduction might have made clear already, today we want to have a closer look to some aspects of the world of information. And let me start with a term that has become all too present regarding this world today, namely fake news. Now, Carl, how big has this plague become? Can we speak here of a pandemic as well? Well, I'm always a bit reluctant to uh, talk about fake news because it has existed uh, as since uh, humanity, beginning of humanity. Uh, people have been telling each other lies uh, uh, since the, the days of Adam and Eve, I think. Uh, so the, it's not so much the problem that there is a lot of um, fake information, fake news uh, circulating in the world. It's the speed with which it is circulating through the... the um, the mobile internet, the, the social media, etc. But it's also um, which when uh, does fake news become uh, dangerous? It's when people that the audience looks to f for their authority, like uh, political leaders or or opinion leaders or academics, uh, also are engaged in this information war. Let's say, and I think um, when people cannot trust newspapers anymore cannot trust the, the academic world anymore and do not then there is there is a lot of uh, uh there is a big danger and th the reason why they are not trusted is because uh people like donald trump but also other um, politicians are discrediting these institutions that that we we think are the guarantee for the truth and the truth is a very difficult world to use in this context mm -hmm. uh, but if, if people cannot uh, um, cannot trust these institutions that that they they look at when they are in doubt then fake news become very very dangerous of course mm -hmm. yeah it, indeed I think you're absolutely right here fake new fake news is a very problematic concept also because like you say it's 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 very old but it's also a very plastic concept which in the end says everything and says nothing that's why also i think it functions uh, really well but even if it might not be be the best means to tackle the world of information i think one cannot hide the fact that there are some serious problems in uh, journalism if i just think of of, of one thing in in Today, what is happening, for example, regarding the COVID, mainstream journalism has suddenly become what I consider the mouthpiece of the various governments and their functionaries, stopping to be what one should consider as, as their critical uh, function and, and their mistrusting part of society that is a fundamental part of an open democracy. But mm -hmm. even just not focusing on COVID, it simply going beyond uh, and, and going in a much more general terminology, I think there's something of a more paradoxical phenomenon that one can uh, see and that one can, can find easily and discover easily today regarding newspapers. And that is that on the one hand, they're much more colored and partisan, but then paradoxically, they're all also all coming to the readers from almost the same angle. 
Well, and again, here, I think that there's this critical function that is disappearing today uh, of, of what used to be the, the basic function of, of the third uh, form of well, information. I think there is uh, the biggest problem is that is the economic model of, of newspapers and, and printed printed media has completely collapsed the last 10, 15 years. And that is also because of the internet. Uh, the newspapers were very powerful and they were very well balanced in the ways they were financed. Uh, you, you, the, when, I, when, when, you had an edit, when you were an editor of a newspaper, you get your money from your readers. You get your money from uh, uh, publicity, uh, advertisements, all kind of uh, people, companies that wanted to uh, let the public know which products they they are selling, and that was and it was um, a very lucrative business, the, the the news media business from the 19th century all the way to let's say 2010. But then the mobile internet came, mm. you know, Facebook came, and uh, they uh, they are working like parasites. Of course, they are using the content that is made by professional journalists that have to be paid by the editors. They're using it on their platforms. And they don't have to pay for it. If I write an article and my friends put it on Facebook and it, it's, it's, it spreads all over the country, which I always hope, and I'm very glad about it, but mm. it, it's, it's Facebook that's selling um, publicity uh, with, uh, on the pages with my, uh, with my content and with the content of Apache. So that's the, 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 the revenue of newspapers and, and, and editors uh, of printed press collapsed in the, um, the, the last 10, 20 years, also because they misjudged the internet. When the internet came in the beginning of the, the 21st century, uh, newspapers made their digital content almost free. And that, of course, combined with the, the fact that the, the revenue from uh, publicity collapsed, made that there was a sort of a perfect storm. And now they are they are trying to uh, to catch up, and they are asking people to to pay for subscriptions. You see that also in television, mm -hmm. cable network television, like you, which was huge in the United States, uh, CBS, ABC, etc. They they are struggling because. They, nobody is, is taking is, is buying any uh, publicity on on the on the television um, anymore. And now, who are the big players? It's 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 uh, Netflix, it's Apple TV, it's Amazon. The people and they work with with an with a, a model where you pay uh, a subscription and there is no uh, commercial uh, messages on on TV. So, if the if the the, the economic um, environment in which the newspapers have to function is is uh, is uh, becoming much more difficult then you see that the biggest fish in the water are eating the small fish and that's mm. the problem with journalism we have we used to have 44 editors of newspapers in belgium in 1960 now there's only three there are countries where there's only two in ireland for instance and that's that puts it puts a, a big strain on, let's say, the pluralism in the press, the the, the voices that you hear, but it also makes it um, the economic reasoning behind uh, the, the the media is that you want to sell your you you, you target the audience that has money, you you you're, you're targeting the middle class, but nobody is making newspaper for poor people, <laughs> but but they are the majority of the world.
poor yeah. people are still a uh, poor people. People having less than the medium income are, are much like the 99 percent, as they were called, are much uh, bigger crowd than the let's say the 20 or the 30 percent. But they don't have any money, and that's where the economic uh, laws, the economic um, conditions uh, that uh, that now are functioning for the press are having a huge impact on the content. And uh, the um, the OECD already in 2010 said that the free market is no longer capable of sustaining a pluralist media landscape and that, that that's and also the council of europe has has, has made recommendations for that and they're calling on governments to support the media uh, and and because otherwise there will be a, a big big democratic deficit mm. so I, I think you you've pointed out two i think important uh, points here that i had uh, I had also thought about so on on the one hand there's the funding and and you say also that that the states are being called out to fund and to help uh, explore and expand again this 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 uh, almost uh, uh, oligarchy of of newspaper and of informations but then on the other hand you also mentioned Facebook and and social media so because my thought was isn't the fact that people can interact more easily with the news and can also inform uh, much more easily a journalist or a friend who works in information of news couldn't that also be a, a helping hand in, in offering more yeah, of course uh, of course at the beginning of the internet everybody thought that we would we would go to paradise and eh? that uh, information would, cir would circulate yeah. freely everybody would uh, would be uh, able to uh, to to inform himself or herself and that we will we will live in a better world and that didn't happen but on the other hand the the organization i work for apache is 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 only possible because of the internet we cannot yeah. make a newspaper that has to be printed every day and put in everybody's mailbox that's much too expensive mm. we may we are making a quality uh, news site with a few let's say a few hundred thousand euros let's say because and that's completely impossible if you want to make a newspaper so it's because of the internet that also uh, there are much much more outlets but they stay under the radar and they have difficulties to to uh, to um, to grow but still in every country every big democracy there is uh, 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 you have in the United States um, platforms like Salon.com or Politico that that's changed the way that uh, that the big newspapers were are writing about politics. Also in France, you have Mediapart, you have the Correspondent in in Holland. So it is possible now to build digital media that uh, are really providing quality. So I'm not so pessimistic uh, about uh, all this, but the problem is that the conservative forces in media, and that's the printed press, they call for the governments to, to help them to, to stay afloat. But the government shouldn't sustain, let's say, printing press owners, they should sustain the freedom of the press and the media. If you are, let's say, advocate a certain ideological um, stance, you should be able to make your your own newspaper, as it was the case in the in the 19th and the 20th century. And um, but now only some only man uh, people with a lot of money, and I'm talking billionaires, are able to 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 start a newspaper. It's it's impossible to do that without uh, loads and loads of money. So you, you said that that the, the states were called upon helping in the funding. You you claim that they're not doing that. Well, they're doing it in the wrong way. In Belgium, they're they're giving money to the post service to put the newspapers in our mailbox every morning for free. Um, but that's, of course, 
disturbing the level playing field for all the other digital media. We we don't get any kind of, of, of support from the government. Uh, all, mm -hmm. Sometimes we get a small subsidy for a project we want to do, but there's no structural subsidy. And it's it's going out of hand in Belgium because the, 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 new, the publishers of newspapers, and there are, there are three big companies that are still uh, active in that, um, in that sector, they are, have so much money that they are buying up all the, the newspapers in, in Holland and also in Ireland and in, and in Scandinavia. So it's, it, they, have, they have huge amounts of money. Uh, and they, of course, you're, you're, create, you're creating a sort of artificial uh, bubble uh, in which they can survive. But the day that the state is, is cutting these subsidies and Europe is, is very critical about it, then we risk losing our newspapers. They should be innovating. They should be working towards a new business model, which will be more digital. And if they don't do that, uh, they, they will be even worse for, for, the, for the freedom of the press. Because, of course, I don't want these big newspapers to disappear. And that's not my aim of our aim. But we just want a level playing field that we will have the same uh, support or support in the th in the fields that we need support, like the developing our website is very very expensive, but we we mm. have to do it on our own, we, and we don't have any 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 money to to do that in a good way. I think. On the other hand, and and I'm now playing the advocate of the devil. If the uh, politicians who are supposed to fund critical information, um, if they do that and not by simply uh, funding the the postal service, then they're actually going to get more people who ask questions that they probably don't want to be asked. Well, the, there is a good way to, f to fund uh, journalism, but also uh, uh, arts and culture. Uh, and that's um, there are two ways. You can do it in an indirect way, why, well, where you have a system where the public, the general public, gives money to uh, the newspaper it prefers, and he can deduct that from his taxes. That's the way in the United States a lot of public services are funded um, through nonprofit organizations. You have mm -hmm. that also in Holland and in and in uh, in Anglo-Saxon countries. In France and in Belgium and in Germany, we have the, the the habit of giving direct subsidies. But it's not the state, it's not the minister, it's not the the politicians who decide. It's a peer-reviewed system. So you you have uh, specialists who uh, give advice to the government and it's not the minister of media who decides which newspaper gets funding. So it's it's in between. And the, the, uh, Julia Cage, who is uh, uh, accidentally also married to, to uh, Thomas Piketty, she wrote a good study about how to fund the media. And you have to have three three um, sources of, of money, and that's, first of all, the readers. Uh, that's most important. You have to have sell your subscriptions. You have to sell the newspaper in the newsstand. On the second hand, you have to have the state that, that subsidizes, that gives money to um, projects, to, um, uh, let's say, organizations that fund more difficult kinds of journalism, like investigative journalism. And then you need tax-deductible gifts. And if that system, it's a system like it, it works very well in the United States to fund the universities and you, you, American universities are the more most powerful in the world. So um, these, but you have to have an equilibrium between these three sources of income. Otherwise, there is always one element that becomes too dominant. It may be the commercial aspects that you're making bad newspapers because you think they will sell more, or it can also be the government 
that would be very uh, you you will try to write less critical articles because you are funded by the government um, and also if you're only funded by by let's say uh, foundations or or uh, or organized citizens then maybe you come become too biased you understand what I mean then they you will uh, you will write uh, if you are funded by let's say people who are advocating um, uh, left-wing politics or I don't know what or right-wing politics then you will be too much under the influence of, the, of their funding so you have to be able to to get your money from all all, all those all uh, different angles and different uh, uh, sources yeah. yeah okay so if, if, if I can ask maybe a, a provocative uh, question what do you think could be a, a, a concrete step towards a solution well, I think the first thing is we have to, we have to be very careful to when when I hear politicians say we have to fight fake news, then I'm very scared. Who is going to decide what is fake news? And I hope it won't be the government. It being it has to be a self-regulating uh, practice, uh, like you have in medicine. It's not the politicians who decide which uh, which pharmaceutical product is is. Then on the other hand, you need a level playing field. Every every player has to have the, the, the same opportunities to, to start his own media company. But on the other hand, it will be necessary from that uh, uh, public money, if, if it's directly paid by the state or indirectly through uh, tax deductible gifts, you need a system that... Um, let's say builds protects the the media from from the the, the volatile uh, market and because otherwise it's it it, it will be uh, there will be a lot of newspapers coming and going and etc and on the other hand the most important thing is course, we need we need laws that protect freedom of expression and freedom of the press and all over the world there they are threatened uh, not, i think also in europe there is a there is a lot of tension uh, because of the the terrorist attacks uh, in in every European countries, we have restrictive laws now, or more restrictive laws than before, that are um, that are hampering the, the 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 freedom of journalism, and that's very very uh, disturbing. Mm -mm. It's it's quite not not really surprising, but quite interesting to see how we had picked uh, are are confronted with very similar issues as you in Apache of 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 being an alternative voice in the whole educational system that sometimes comes up against yeah, the, the same, same in academia. It's the same uh, the same problems you have. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. You have the same issues with funding. You have the same issues with other people who become suddenly experts who have nothing, who have no knowledge at, at all of of uh, about a certain topic, but then suddenly become the, the voice boxes of your specific field and then you see that there's nothing to say but so it, it's quite interesting to see how, how these um, critical investigative uh, instruments work as well in the academia as in information based world but if I may ask one final question and and it's 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 probably a little bit more uh, dedicated to you guys at Apache but I think it's you're just one case am amongst many so I think there's one one final aspect that um, th that we haven't talked about, and that's the problem of silencing, not just funding, but also silencing. Uh, and I know that there have been attempts to silence your investigations, either by trials or even by uh, obliged withdrawals of articles through the courts. 
Um, could you maybe say something more about the situation of Apache itself first, about these court trials and about these attempts of silencing and how they work? And then maybe also if you are aware of other situations in uh, other countries of very similar cases, maybe you can say something about those as well, so to inform our listeners. Well, I must say in Belgium, we are uh, at the top five of countries where the freedom of the press is, is still uh, guaranteed. We have the most liberal and the best law for the protection of sources. Uh, the police or, or uh, the, just, uh, the judges cannot ask a journalist uh, who his who his sources are uh, so that's 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 unique in the world i think only iceland and belgium have a, such a good law for to protect the the sources of journalists but and also uh, to to attack a journalist before court it's a very uh, if you you read the constitution of belgium it's very very difficult but we are seeing now that they are using other means of of uh, uh, in, in our judicial system to attack us they are they are uh, filing civil lawsuits against us because they say uh, that our articles are damaging them are are costing them money if we attack people who are let's say in the real estate uh, sector which is the case uh, they are saying your article uh, is 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 hurting our business and so that's we we file a civil case we won that civil case 2 years ago then we're also doing undercover journalism, which is a very light form of undercover journalism. We just film people going to a restaurant on on the street, on the uh, and on the sidewalk of the street. We film that, uh, and they are filing complaints against that as well. There, but now, which is much more uh, disturbing, there is such a, there is a procedure in Belgium that, uh, for give you an example, if you're my neighbor and you're you're trying to cut cut off a tree, and mm. that that tree is threatening to fall on my house i can go to a judge and say stop him mm. and you the judge can do that without going and, and giving you the opportunity to give your side of the of the case because there is an imminent danger mm. and that's what they're using now they we write articles and they go to a judge and they uh, the judge uh, sentences us to, to remove the article uh, immediately and if we don't do that we have to pay ten thousands of euros mm. and then only a month later this is treated in a in a normal court where we can put our arguments forward and like, every time it happens to journalists the journalist wins in the end mm. but of course the it, it's a lot of stress it, it costs a lot of money to pay lawyers uh, so and that's it was it happened now four or five times in the last years and it's even so that uh, Didier Reinders who is now the European Commissioner for uh, um, who has to uh, safeguard the democratic values of the European Union he published a report last week and Belgium is mentioned in the report and the only example in there is Apache. <laughs> it's uh, it is also the Council of Europe has has asked Belgium to to uh, take measures to to prevent this kind of uh, intimidation of the press. And I'm not sure if the new government is, is going to do that because it's very difficult, because everybody, of course, has the right to defend himself. If I am attacked uh, in a newspaper and there people are writing uh, lies about me, I, I, I also think that I have to be able to defend myself. But there are a lot of mechanisms that people can use to defend themselves against journalism. But now, to ask a judge to remove an article is is is, is pure censorship, which is prohibited mm -hmm. by the constitution of Belgium. So uh, that's very very uh, disturbing. On the other hand, I must say that uh, our our readers, the audience, and also uh, a lot of uh, uh, 
people, um, opinion leaders in, in, in Belgium are supporting us uh, in this struggle. So we're not alone. And, and it, mm. it, it, it raises a lot of sympathy for, for what we're doing as well. So I'm, uh, I'm not saying that, that we're benefiting from this, but uh, it doesn't make, make us weaker either. It makes us uh, stronger because we are pushing where it hurts. And that's what mm. uh, that's, that's proven. If the, if, if we were do if it was just um, we were just insulting people or writing fake news, then it would be very easy to uh, to get a judge and to get us condemned. Mm. And but that's it's not happening. Every effort they make to to uh, silence us through justice is is uh, is revoked, is rebuked because we win every time. Mm. So they're to, they're using these unorthodox means to 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 intimidate us, and that's uh, that's the proof that we're on the right track. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so as well. So thanks for being with us, Carl, and all the best uh, with Apache. I will keep following you, and for all the people who read Flemish or Dutch, please go to the site apache.be because it's really, really good. And uh, to the okay. listeners, uh, also a uh, big thanks. Um, you are much more numerous than we had expected when we started with these podcasts, so we thank you a lot. And this gives us a lot of strength to continue. So my name is Christoph van Houten, and we from PICT hope to find you again all very soon for your next PICT Voices episode. Goodbye and thank you.